The show is brought to you by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. Robots Radio presents the Fallout Lorecast. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, a place for the Fallout community to come together to explore the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Hey guys, this is your host, Tom of Robots, right here at the beginning of the episode, just to jump in real quick. I uh, forgot to mention (laughs) when I was doing the intro for this patron episode that at the end of the episode, we are drawing a winner for our uh, stretch goal. We we crossed the $200 a month goal for Patreon and stay tuned because we pick a winner and that winner will be announced at the end of the episode. And if that was you, then definitely get in touch with me. Let me know your shirt sizes and stuff. You will be getting a pack of t-shirts and stickers and things. And thanks again to all of our patrons who support the show. Without further ado, here is our end of the year, end of December patron episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey there, everybody. This is your host, Tom or Robots, and welcome back to, this is my always my favorite episode of the month. This is our patron special so welcome wastelanders and vault dwellers and not only is this our uh december patron special episode this is our end of the year episode as well this is the last one we're recording for the fallout lorecast for this year and it has been quite the year this is almost exactly a year from when i started the show and to just just to say thank you to you guys to start this off we have uh seven tier four patrons. Uh, One of them hasn't quite popped in yet. We have a feeling Aperture Flash is out on the road somewhere uh, in his truck. But thank you to everybody who helps fund the show every every month. And a number of these uh, tier four patrons have actually been patrons at other tiers for even longer than that. So thank you to everybody. Uh, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate everybody who's on the show this week and all of our other patrons and just all of our listeners. I had no idea when I started the show that it would be such a uh, such a fun time and a wonderful way to make new friends and have awesome things to talk about it and it would grow this much. Um, and before I get into introducing everybody, I wanted to just kind of give you guys a, a quick update on what's going on with the show for the new year. And so, um, and a lot of this is because of your support. And I've kind of hinted at this before in some of the previous episodes, but my schedule is changing as of the first of the year. I am moving from a full-time work schedule to a part-time work schedule. So uh, that's mostly thanks to you guys and your support and also having a wonderful wife who's willing to, (laughs) you know, uh, let me take that chance because uh, I'm definitely not covering my full income yet. But the hope is that I can continue working on podcasts, the podcast network and those kinds of things and get to the place where I can start replacing my income and continue to double down on the things I'm doing with the Fallout Lorecast and the other shows, including, and you may have seen it uh, just the other week, I did a visual, like a video component for the show as well. So I'll be doing more of those on YouTube and we're going to keep doing more uh, of these fun episodes. And that's that's where things are going. So uh, enough on that stuff. I just wanted to 
say thank you again to everybody because that's super exciting for me to be able to jump into a new adventure on this second year and see what else we can do with the show and the community. So to start this off, let's let's get to the patrons because that's really what this episode is about. So we have with us this week a true dog. A true dog is back. Welcome back, true dog. Hello. Hello. How's it going? How was your uh, how's your holidays, your vacation? Did you take any time off? I took two weeks off and I never take time off. So it's been really nice. That's awesome. That's so nice. Well, welcome back to the show. And then we also have uh, I'm going to say the full name here, because just in case anybody wants to chat with you on on the discord, um, RF Robinson 96. Welcome back to the show or welcome. Welcome to the show. Back to the disc. I don't know what I'm saying. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> well, welcome. It's going good. Good, I'm good. Actually, just don't mind me because I actually might get a little distracted because I am playing Fallout 3 right now too at the same time. Oh gosh, well now you're, you're doubling up on the fallouts, so that's, that's yeah. awesome. Awesome, awesome. And then we have, um, oh and I, you know what I forgot to note was that this, uh, before I say the name of our next guest, this is an After Dark episode. So if you're listening to this with children, the topic today is darkest decisions this is going to get really dark and there's going to be some uh blue language we can say and some adult topics and those kinds of things so maybe earmuffs if you're listening with kids you may want to listen to this at a a different time so just a a quick little warning there but our next guest goes by the name shittyit welcome shittyit how's it going howdy howdy Howdy, i think it's it's funny that uh you read my name and that reminded you to put the disclaimer out there yeah, yeah. Well, and most of the time I don't have to worry about it, but this week especially. <laughs> and and you have, you know, the, the the shit word in your name. So there's that. No, I'll rock with it, I guess. Yeah. Well, you gotta you gotta <laughs> own up to, you know, your name sometimes. You just gotta go with it. So I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us this week. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. And then we have Soybean. Welcome to the show. Hello, glad to be here. <laughs> nice to have you. And uh, how was your? Um, it was pretty chill. Uh, I managed to get work off, even though we weren't supposed to have like Christmas Eve or something off. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, I, I got to have some time off, too. So uh, went and visited some family and stuff. So I'm back in the house doing the, you know, the regular things back to recording the pods and I feel a little bit more refreshed. So that's nice. Yeah, I think I ended up more tired because I picked up the Outer Worlds, and so I've just been playing that all day. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, that's definitely a good decision. I, I still haven't gotten too far in that game. I've been playing other things, um, but my time is always split. So well, again, welcome back. Welcome to the show. And uh, we also have Victor coming back. Welcome back, Victor. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It's good. My dad's eggnog is delicious, and I'm looking forward to talking about how terrible you can be to one of my favorite companions. So Awesome. And in the pre-show, we got to hear the wonderful sound of Victor shaking the eggnog. <laughs> Which is... If Apple's not here to do his horn, at least we can shake my eggnog. Shake the eggnog, which is a very confusing sound when you don't know what is actually happening on the other side of that microphone. But yeah, no, I'm I'm really glad to be here and I'm really glad to be able to help support people who make content that I like. So, <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. 
And then uh, returning again, Woman on Fire. Welcome back, Woman on Fire. Hey, good to be back again. Yeah, good to have you again. Man, we, we're like old friends at this point. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, I hope you had a good holiday. Were holidays good yeah, at your very. place? Yeah. What's that? Well, holidays were good at your place? Very. I was sharing pictures of all the crazy fallout stuff that uh, my husband and children and parents gifted me. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you get like a standout? I know you already had like that plasma rifle and some of like the cosplay <laughs> stuff that you've you posted awesome pictures about. Anything stand out? Yeah, my, my I collect the little mini figures and my husband got me a whole batch of them that I was still missing. And then he three 3D printed uh, little shacks from the game and painted them and distressed them and did everything. So now I have uh, what we've been referring to as the Fallout dollhouse. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds awesome. You posted some pictures <laughs> online about that I in the Discord. I was actually going to say, I saw the, the Fallout cookbook and you said you were cooking. You had the Salisbury steak turned out by chance. Oh, we haven't made it yet. It's on our list. I just haven't had a chance to go to the grocery store to get more stuff. So okay. as soon as I give that a shot, I will definitely be posting my reviews. That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've seen the cookbook uh, for the Fallout cookbook and the Elder Scrolls cookbook. And my wife and I joked about picking those up, but we're not the, we're not the best chefs. So <laughs> we've been actually, one of the things we did over this break is we watched a lot of the baking shows, like the holiday baking competition and that stuff. Those people are magicians. I have no idea how they know what to do. I mean, if that's like, there are things I know a lot about. Baking is not one of them. I Lots can't bake for my life, but I could, I could definitely follow a recipe. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Hey, before we dive in, did anybody else, uh, any of the rest of you guys get any really cool fallout things? Christmas, pick up anything really cool worth noting. I got I got the Outer Worlds, but no Fallout stuff. Well, hey, that's it's like tangentially related, so that's that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a Nuka Cola Girl poster for like clearance. It was like six ninety five and originally twenty. It's just like oh a little, sweet six by twelve Nuka uh, Cola Girl. She's riding the Nuka rocket, and yeah. Yeah, I, I know what that looks like. That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've got all this uh, Fallout stuff all over my office and on my desk at work and all over the place. So um, I, I didn't get anything in particular yet, despite getting my mom fandom stuff. However, my little brother has not sent me his gift to me yet. So it remains to be seen. Mm, well, you have to fill us in on what you got. What you get from there. Um, yeah, and we're, we're actually still waiting to celebrate with my wife's uh, parents. So there might be some other funny little things showing up for us too. All right. Well, let's, let's dive into our topic this week. So again, we're doing darkest decisions. So that we kind of left this up for you guys to interpret how you wanted to talk about these, you know, a quest line, a situation in the games, you know, your perspective on just difficult decisions that you had to make in the games and maybe some of the darkest things that you decided to end up doing. So this is going to, take a really interesting turn i'm sure so we're going alphabetically through the list so true dog why don't you start us off what are you bringing to the conversation about darkest decisions well i guess in a word kidnapping which i never thought i would do in a video game but <laughs> fallout 3 had me do it okay so take us on this journey so uh, what are you what are you talking about specifically with kidnapping was this a quest line so there's the DLC for the pits where you get to go to Pittsburgh and there's two 
uh, warring rival uh, raiders there who are trying to usurp each other, one with slaves, one the owner of these slaves, um, Asher and Turner. And through the process of uh, like a long quest line that was super hard, you end up kidnapping Asher's baby for Werner or potentially killing the baby, I think, is the other choice. So it was kind of a decision both ways. What I think the worst yeah. part were the moral implications. Like it was one of those great quests where no matter what you did, you either did something, you did something wrong both ways. Right, right. So uh, in your playthrough, you chose the kidnapping. Did you play through this only once? So I usually play a good character and I try to go along and do the right thing. And in this situation, getting the baby would result in you freeing slaves. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll just do what I've been doing the whole time. I had already played Paradise Falls in the lower portion of the map. And I had been a good person. I had freed the, the children there. Uh, and then when I went to this situation, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just be a slave, you know, free again. And the politics of the situation there made it so that it was impossible for the people to continue living there unless they got new slaves and they kept this hierarchy of slaves and slavers. And that's something you kind of got when you talked to Asher. He was the father of the baby you steal and he was the raider lord. And he was fighting this Werner who was his second in command who got, uh, through a coup ended up falling from grace and ending up with the slaves and asher is an interesting guy and it's kind of one of the reasons why it's hard to kidnap his baby <laughs> it, mm -hmm. is a good father that he you know him and his wife sandra are good people aside from the fact that or good parents i should say they're horrible people because they're raiders but they're pretty good parents and in trying to save the slaves, you take this baby from good parents and you take it to Werner. And this guy is an all around bad guy, like an ex raider who ended up being in the pits. And he only supportive of freeing the slaves after he saw the opportunity to like get back at Asher, who was the raider he was trying to coup before. So the whole situation, I guess for me, I was kind of naive and thinking that I could get a good result out of this and <laughs> I don't know if that was the way they wanted it designed or what but it's one of those really gray missions where yeah it's like one of those difficult decisions that ends up biting you in the butt and at the end you're not happy but you can't change and yeah 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 that's that's a tricky one because the freeing of slaves in that situation wasn't for it wasn't like a benevolent freeing of the slaves it was a manipulation of the other people's property really the other person right. Right. Like the moral implications of what was going on there. And it's also kind of interesting because Asher, he did own these people, but he always said that he would free them if he got the opportunity. And all he needed to do was uh, extract this cure from the baby that you kidnapped, which is his own daughter. And then he could give it to everyone. And the only reason he was bringing slaves to the pit is because they couldn't have babies anymore. But to me, that was kind of weird. It's like, why do you keep living in this pit? where you can't have babies and you're poison all the time and trying to make a city. I mean, I know there's a steel mill and stuff, but you, you just don't make your life and your home in a place that's so toxic. Yeah. Good question. Good question. Yeah. That's a, that's a great one. That's a, that's a tough one. Um, does anybody else, do you guys remember having played through this? Does anybody else have any thoughts oh, on this absolutely. one? 
Yeah, what are your thoughts, yeah, idiot? <laughs> it sounds it sounds condescending. I'm like, what are your th- what are your thoughts, shitty? It. I was honestly waiting for the first person to say it. So, no, I, I mean that I haven't played Fallout Three in the grip, but um, the pit was definitely like one of those. I was just like, you get to like position that you usually would never be able to be in otherwise, and to, that whole DLC is like full of like mystery, and it's, the story is just incredible. I don't know. Yeah. Um, true dog. One of the things, um, and Victor, I'll give you a second to chime in here. And uh, after I ask this question, um, one of the things I wanted to bring up with you guys each, as you go through these uh, is the question of when you are in a situation like this, where you have to make a morally gray and probably makes you feel bad about it kind of decision. Do you, do you internalize that? Cause a lot of times when you play these games, especially when you play them for a long amount of hours, especially late at night and then you go to bed, sometimes you have dreams about it. Sometimes these things actually like sit in your head for a while and then you can kind of, you kind of feel bad. You have that like yucky, what did I do feeling? Do, do you feel that way when you have to deal with that stuff? Yeah, totally. I, I like playing the good person and not just like a, good for lip services sake and then because you can exploit the karma system in fallout 3 where you can do horrible horrible things and then give enough water to a beggar and you're back to being a good person um that's yeah. not really how i role play so it, you just do the right thing as you go through it so this this one tricked me so yeah i did think about it it did bother me and that's why when i thought about you know the darkest decision i had to do it was it was this one yeah interesting victor what were you gonna gonna say I was going to say it is a a really dark and thought provoking DLC. Um, Keeping in mind, I've never personally played it myself. I've simply watched very thorough playthroughs. I'll be admit to being a big fan of Oxhorn's work um, for getting through all of the plot lines. However, there is something I wanted to bring up. True Dog, you mentioned basically that there were two options: the you know killing the baby and then taking the baby to the rebels. Where in my memory, it's you can kill the baby and doom everyone. You can take the baby to the rebels where they basically give lip service to parenting and they have no idea what they're doing and trying to get the genetic cure. And then you also have the option of leaving the baby with Asher where they're going to be doing the experimentation much more slowly because that's that's their baby. But they have the knowledge, thanks to his wife, to actually do the proper experimentation. But doing that means that not only are the slaves going to stay slaves, they're going to create more slaves. And it's just still just another angle of a terrible situation. And everyone just needs to leave Pittsburgh. Yeah, everyone get out of the pit. What are you doing? Yeah, I never played through this, uh, this DLC, actually. I know it's like one of those things where people and, I'm, and I note this at beginning of the, the the like one of the first episodes in the show that like I'm not an expert I haven't played through everything so this is one that I'll have to go back through and dive into and look up because uh, this was one of the DLCs I missed out on. on a sorry, go ahead. True, uh, true dog. On a side note, oh sorry. No worries. Uh, you know it's a tough DLC as well because um, they they strip you of your weapons and they've got a unique mechanic to it and. Uh, so yeah, it's, it stands out as one of the DLCs in the third one. Interesting. Chidiot, what were you going to say? Oh, it's not really important at all, but what was that weapon that you got? The, the assault rifle that had the scope and the silencer built onto it in the pit, they were all over the guards. 
I only remember the auto grinder, that axe that you would get when you came in, that the slaves would use. But uh, so no, I don't know. No, on a side note, that was like I used that gun all throughout Fallout. That was like the incinerator. It's like I don't know, something close to like the incinerator. But yeah, that gun, the best. Yeah, I'm sure somebody right now is yelling at their car stereo. It's called this. It's this. Don't you guys know? Yeah. That's what happens when you're in the middle of like doing a show like this. You're like, ah, crap. What was the name of that thing? And then you, you don't remember it in the spot. So well, very cool. Very cool, Street Dog. Yes. Um, do you have any uh, last, last minute things about the quest line that you want to add in? No, not really. I'm just I'm interested to hear if anyone leaves from Fallout 3 because there is the karma system kind of leaves after 3. So. Uh, yeah, interested to hear what happens next. Yeah, true. Okay, cool. Well, let's move on. Uh, R.F. Robinson. How's Hello. It going? Hello. What are you bringing? What are you bringing for the episode? Well, so one of my things was I started deciding. I was like, all right, I'm gonna go through again for the fifth time. And ever since, oh, like um, True Dog did does is I usually go through and try to be the good guy. Well, I decided to try. Let's see how evil I can make an actual character be. Mm-hmm. One of the first things I did, you have an option of, and Megaton, you can actually disarm or rig the bomb to explode. Well, after finding out the information I needed, I decided to rig the bomb to explode. Right. And that was the first evil thing that I decided to do was because What's more evil than genocide on a massive scale as in like an entire town? And I wanted also to see, I'm still curious because I'm, as I'm playing through right now, see how well it will affect the rest of the storyline and how people will interact with my character because I've never gone through as being the bad guy. I've always gone through as being the good guy. So it's an ongoing experiment that I'm currently trying. Yeah, I did something similar because I'd always I always tried to be the good guy and, and try to make good decisions. And in Fallout 3, um, years after playing it the first time, I had jumped back into it. I had a similar question. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go right to uh, Tenpenny's place and follow through that quest line to uh, actually blow up Megaton and see what it does. Because I, I wanted to see because, you know, Fallout 3 is, oh gosh, how old is it now? 14 years old, something like that. Um, you know, the technology isn't super duper awesome, but I was like, well, what do they do? Do they like leave a, you know, like a crater in the ground? Does everybody die? How does that work? And it was interesting how many things I had, I didn't see yet because I never took that option before, but there's definitely things that occur because you take that option. Right. Cause like one of the things that I figured out, cause after I also went and did the uh, Roy Phillips quest, uh, side quest too, that you get from the uh, chief security guard at Tenpenny's place and uh, a slaughtered all of them. Then I went back to the ruins. Yeah. And I actually met up with some of the refugees. First thing they do is attack you. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So that was a fun thing to find out is that you will encounter refugees as you go along and they will attack you for sight because somehow they know. Yeah. Word has gotten out somehow or the game just flags you as now uh, an enemy to them. Yeah. So when you, 
when you when you take on a new playthrough like this uh, and just and just decide, okay, I'm just going to be evil. Does that feel different than like True Dog's example, where you kind of accidentally make the decision that you, or it just plays out in a way that you just were like, ah, oh, crap, I did something bad. Does it feel different when you just go in from the beginning and are just like, well, screw it, I'm just going to be, just going to be a, you know, a douche and kill everybody. Like, does, does that, did you kind of feel like numb about it from that perspective? In a way, honestly, no. Because, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I do have some, you know, so I'm pretty sure at least half the people in the world have some dark thoughts at some point or another or some dark side to them that they've always kept in the back of their mind and never really brought forth to reality to see or uh, try to think about what kind of how dark they could actually truly get. Well, I figured out this is the best way I can actually release that side. So it not really numbing. It's kind of eye opening and interesting to see my actual true reaction to, okay, if I were to apply these to real, real world aspects, uh, how would I perceive them or how would they make me feel? Mm-hmm. And so how, how do you feel after doing that stuff? Well, Given what I've been through through life and everything, it's honestly not as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> You're just like, eh, well, whatever. And it, it may be partly because it, it is a, you know, it isn't, it it, isn't it, reality. It, in, it you know. isn't reality, but at the point is, I also just look at the way that the world is today. It's like, what's different? You hear about everything bad on the news, but yeah, you know, what's the difference of if you see it in a video game or if you see it in real life at this point? Yeah, well, I think there is a the difference between like actually physically doing something to people around you in the real world. Right. I think there's there's there is that you know your brain does know the difference. Yeah, it still, I mean, it still feels bad to do something to somebody you know, do something malevolent in a video game. Um, what did the rest of you guys think? Did you guys ever go down this path and, and do a playthrough where you blew up Megaton? Anyone else take this on? Yeah, I've definitely done it once before. Um, and I mostly just kind of did it for the incentives. Like at the time I thought 10 things tower was a sweet place to live. And you kind of, uh, you give up the trade at Megaton, but you also gain uh, Gustav's cash. And I kind of just did it for the incentives mostly. Yeah, as a min-max kind of thing. Getting that small home in Megaton as opposed to like a huge suite at this cool tower, you know? Right, right. Who else had some thoughts? Oh, I, I guess I get the same sandwich every single time, and I guess I played this game the same way every time because I always saved Megaton, and it made my home <laughs> right. He walked in on the left and did everything the same way, you know, no matter what the playthrough. Um, yeah, and I, 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 this one was really tough because you can actually go through that quest line, and I kind of poked around it to see if I could get some XP just for kind of going along it, or uh, the one that allows you to get into. Ten penny towers, and it's tough. You you got to go for a long ways, and so as a player, you're committing to blowing all those people up for a while. 
and I just, I couldn't do it. Interesting. So Ibin, did you have something you wanted to say? Yeah. Um, I was going to say that, uh, I didn't take the evil option in that sense. Uh, I did, um, disarm the bomb, but the funny thing is, um, most of the time when you go through the natural way of doing it and disarming the bomb, the sheriff ends up killed. Um, mm, right. Yes. Yeah. However, um, at the time, the person who introduced me to the game kind of spoiled me in a way and said, oh, make sure your explosives is high for the first town if you want to, like, you know, help out the people. And they didn't tell me exactly what was going on. And so I got there and I saw the bomb. And so I literally entered the town, saw it and disarmed it immediately. Then the sheriff basically approaches you and says, oh, you, you fixed it. You did it. <laughs> and so he never died. And so wow. I got the best option. Wow. <laughs> the best ending there. And you just uh, took care of it. You just like walked yeah. in. Yeah. You're just so like, yeah, I got this. I told my friend, I was like, oh yeah. And then the like sheriff congratulated me. And my friend was like, wait, what? <laughs> it was pretty, pretty interesting. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You see, you never know with these games, the way they program them. If, I mean, because that is clearly an option that things could have gone down. If there's something else that that connects to, like if the sheriff is alive and the bomb is disarmed, does that mean that something else happens in the game somewhere else or with some other quest line being that the sheriff is still alive, you know, like you never know. You never know if that actually like has some sort of later implication, even though that's the least likely thing to occur. I guess the only thing is now that uh, the, the kid isn't an orphan, <laughs> which is nice. Yeah. Interesting. Man, you're bringing back all these memories. Uh, RF, anything else on this one? No, not that I can think of at the moment. Okay. All right. Yeah, you'll have to let us know how your playthrough of Fallout 3 is going as you continue this uh, evil rampage of yours. <laughs> Gladly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give us some updates in the Discord. I would love to love to hear how that how that turns out for you. I'm <laughs> sure there's do. lots of situations that most of us probably will never have actually tried out, being that most people take the you know the good path. Um, right. It's also also about how you do it too because like my character as i started him out he was good as growing up in the first part of the game where you can like play through as they're getting older uh -huh. so he was a good kid until he snapped when the overseer was threatening his best friend oh so that's kind of the way i perceive it too oh interesting interesting so that was the like straw on the camel's back yeah, that was when he finally first got violent because he even helped out Butch and didn't her do anything to him. But as soon as he saw the overseer, you know, pointing a gun at his friend, he just started going on a giant rampage. <laughs> and that's when he killed all the guards and everything. Oh, that's good. I like how you have like a like a built in motivation for that. Exactly. That's Very kind cool. of the way I went through it. Yeah, evil for evil's sake can be quite boring, but when you've got a reason to be evil, it, it creates a much richer narrative overall. Even if all you're doing is creating the character on your own, it's just more interesting. Yeah, every every good villain has a like a very justified backstory for why they think what they're doing is is uh, if not right, if uh, validated, you know. Yeah, almost like the new Joker movie that came out. 
Yeah, which I still haven't seen. I need to go. I need to get that. You Do should. You guys know? Very good movie. Yeah, is it coming out on like, I don't know, download soon? I have to. It seems like everything comes out on download after like four or five months. Yeah, I feel like it's it's got to be sometime in the next month or two, right? I think so. I don't know. Well, thank you for for bringing uh, Megaton <laughs> ba- ta- Megaton back because that's I don't know such an iconic first kind of thing that so many of us went through. Who well, I want to say I brought oh. back, but well, for the conversation, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> awesome. All right, so now we're on to shittiest. <laughs> What's going on, shittiest? Oh man, we're just hanging out. That's all we're doing. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you? What's uh, your topic for today? Well, I was uh, driving for a while today, and I wrote down about a whole list of things. I narrowed it down to to one of my favorites. That I kind of just uh, played the other way of this quest around, and you know, got the closure that I needed for both opportunities. Um, so I guess like my darkest option choice isn't really necessarily a choice that I make, but it's mostly a location where I think most of the most shady things go down. And it was just a really interesting playthrough to play this quest uh, for evil. Okay. All right. Well, so, you've, you've piqued my interest at least. <laughs> so it was pretty much just revolving around the Gamora. The Gamora to me is seems like one of the most darkest places. Um, for one, I mean, everybody gets all excited to get to the the strip once they're level ten or whatever. They're ready to go. Mm-hmm. And, and for um, people who haven't played uh, New Vegas, what what is Gamora? Gamora is essentially um, as soon as you get into the strip, it's the first casino on the right, and it's essentially where most of the NCR guys like to be outside and throw up and talk to prostitutes and it's their yeah. spot i guess yeah it's the um, really shady casino of like the three main casinos in the on the strip yeah they're all shady well yeah but, they're all shady but it's it's the uh yeah it's this sexually deviant one i guess you could say absolutely so um i guess i'll for people that don't know it's uh you essentially get this quest called How Little We Know, and that can be obtained from doing Bye Bye Love or uh, anything to really get the or going to uh, Mick and Ralph's and asking for work. And they tell you that, uh, you know, Gamora stopped buying guns from us. What's going on? And you do some you do some dirty work around the Gamora and uh, you talk to the lowest level lieutenant that you can possible. And it's Chino. And, um, essentially, um, you just kind of dig up some dirt on him because everybody thinks that he's out for, you know, the, he's out, he's got a big stick up or something. And so you loot him and check out his journal and, uh, you can hold it, hold it up as blackmail pretty much and get information that he, uh, he's actually not the bad guy, but Sal and Nero who are the casino bosses are actually up to some really dirty stuff. So as soon as you start figuring that out, um, he's got two right-hand men, which are Clandon and Troy, who are both being hooked up real nice. You know, the Gamora, they're being hooked up. They got, they're the good guys. And uh, as through, you start getting searching around them, 
uh, you figure out Clandon is uh, a pretty twisted guy. Um, he's essentially you're figuring out what these guys are doing for the Gamora. So you you pretty much loot um, Clandon and figure out that he's making um, explosives for some reason for the Gamora. And on top of that, he's making like super gnarly snuff films and like torturing women and yada yada and figure that out. Um, get to Troik and you figure out that he's harboring in a bunch of guns through NCR supply caches for the Gamora as well. And um, with that being said, um, kind of off the point. Um, Sal and Big Nero are trying to sabotage Troy for whatever reason. And uh, the whole thing that got me twisted is I didn't really understand why this, like what this conglomerate of explosives and guns and explosives were for. I said explosives twice, I think, but uh, yeah, essentially, <laughs> right. <laughs> essentially um, I figured out that the Gamora was staging an attack on the strip to distract the NCR from the attack that was going to happen simultaneously at Hoover Dam, which I didn't know that. I just figured that out and I thought that was pretty, a pretty crucial evil thing, you know, and, and I usually always help out Kachino and, uh, you know, get him to be the guy cause he's a cooler dude. Not about that. But this time mm-hmm. I helped out Sal and Big Nero and sold out Kachino. And it was kind of crazy to be on the other side of the spectrum of, like, oh, like I really took a turn for um, the whole the whole battle. And I haven't got to play the battle quite yet. This is the, uh, the after effect. But that, to me, seemed like a, one of the most uh, vivid, dark decisions that I had made in fall, for sure. Yeah, that man, that opens up a lot of uh, a lot of different thoughts, a lot of other questions that I have, because, uh, you know, does it affect the, the big battle at the end? Um, what was the connection? I mean, these are, these are things I'm not sure of that I haven't really looked into a lot of stuff. I, I did play through the game, but you know, it's one of those, like you're giving me ideas for future episodes. I'm like, what is, what are the connections here? Are they connected to Caesar's Legion? You know, like what, what else was going on in the background? Um, right. Yeah. Interesting. Really, really interesting. And like, it just seems like one of those situations where if you get involved at all, you're probably doing something crappy to somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Now, um, one of the things I remember the most about about Gamora is the, the early on the first playthrough, playing through it and feeling like immersed and, you know, seeing people walk around in their, you know, leather <laughs> get ups and stuff. And then uh, a few years later, later, loading it back up and going like when you get to the point of like graphics and games are improved. And you're like, man, these character models with these funny leather outfits are really kind of dumb looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right the faces <laughs> in vegas are pretty hilarious yeah yeah so and like pretty pretty uh, derpy looking yeah the derpy faces and like the the funny <laughs> like these are supposed to be like sexy outfits but they're like really funny <laughs> on like the character models yeah on the ghoul dudes and stuff yeah that, that place is a is a freak show for sure yeah yeah so let's open that up to everybody else do you guys do you guys remember this quest line specifically or have any thoughts about uh gamora and having to you know visit it on the strip did any of you play through this part of the game further or have any thoughts on it 
I personally, this is one of the quest lines that I know the least about for New Vegas. However, I just want to give kudos to Obsidian for naming it Gamora with, you know, Sodom and Gamora from the biblical stories. Right. Uh, just letting people know that these people want you to know just how bad they are and that this is, well, to quote Star Wars, a more wretched hive of scum and villainy <laughs> cannot be found. Uh-huh. And just, yeah. just for lore wise, I, I kind of appreciate that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's nice when there's a, a name like that. If you understand the reference, let's, you know, you automatically go, oh, this place is full of sin because that's that's the reference. That's the reason why in the Old Testament, God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah because they are, like you said, a hive of scum and villainy. Honestly, the, with with that story, the only way they could get much more obvious is if like somewhere about 50 yards out from it is a pillar of salt. Wait, is there actually a pillar of salt? No, but like if they put a pillar of if salt. If they put there, a pillar of salt, yeah. That would be amazing. I wouldn't put that past them, though. I know. To do I would, something I, like that? I, just to be a subtle, like, is that a cactus? No, it's salt? It's a pillar what? of salt, yeah. yeah. Unless you realize the tale of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot's wife. Right, Lot's wife looks back. She's turned to salt because she was told not to look back. So, if, in case anybody doesn't know the story. Um, but yeah, that would be amazing. That would be really, really crazy. Um, wow. Now I have to go look for <laughs> I'm going to have to search the internet and be like, is there a pillar of salt near Gamora? I doubt I it. But... I guarantee if it's not there, somebody's made a mod to put it there. Yeah, totally. Totally. Anyone else have any, any other thoughts on uh, uh, New Vegas, Gamora, this quest line, any of that stuff? Um, is that the place that had Lily, the, um, the prostitute? <laughs> Was that her name? Oh. If it was Lily, it would make sense uh, tying in with religion. Lilith being, Lilith. Uh, yeah. Um, I think her name was Joanne. If 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 you're talking about the girl that you you help escape. Yeah, you, yeah. Yeah, her name is Joanne. Okay. Um, it could have been. Lilith. Yeah, I don't personally remember that much. I knew it was something along those lines. But um, tying in with the after dark theme, I guess, uh, in New <laughs> Vegas, I always have a lesbian character, a female character with the perk uh, Trichez La Femme, uh, which is the female equivalent to Confirmed Bachelor. Uh-huh. And when you have that, uh, Lil- Lily or you know, whatever her name was, is one of the people that you can actually use that perk with. When you go to rescue her, um, it gives you the option to sleep with her. And (laughs) Uh oh boy, you take it. (laughs) And then you have to sit there (laughs) awkwardly for a minute while the screen is black and there's moaning. And it's, it's. Oh, right. Yeah. And it's, it's a situation. Yeah. It's a situation. All right. (laughs) But that um, happens to the thorn with root with uh Ruby too, doesn't it? Or red, whatever her name is. I remember, I don't I remember. remember. I don't remember. <laughs> it's the ring fighting on the out, like the north side of uh New Vegas, and then you can, uh, her name is red or scarlet or something like that. I guess that's like the that's the straight, the straight male's version of uh of, of Joanne, essentially. Okay. I was, I was gonna <laughs> 
were you guys talking about the ghoul that you can get for the atomic wrangler but no you guys are talking about somebody else i can never remember that was it yeah there is my interjection (laughs) interesting i can see a future episode coming for like all of the uh Man, that was a pun I didn't mean to intend. All of the sexy characters. Future episode coming. Adults only. Uh, the Valentine's Day episode. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Love in the Wasteland. <laughs> awesome. So, Shidiot, anything else on on this uh, quest line or, or any other last minute details? Not that I can think of. I feel like that took me forever to, uh, to describe. Has anyone cussed yet? Shit. Well, I said shit because I said your name. Oh, okay. It happened. I was, I was, I didn't want to be the first person to do it, but I was. We had to break the ice. Helpful. Yeah, it broke the ice, so everybody can feel. Everybody can uh, calm down a little bit. <laughs> Everyone's on their like best behavior. They're like, I don't want, to, I don't want people to think bad about me and my my bad words. I told this story. So Aperture Flash, uh, who isn't here yet still and maybe he'll be able to join in later um said something like oh we'll finally get to hear tom say fuck and i was like that's that's funny i mean i generally tend to keep things pg right because i want people to listen but like i'm not averse to bad words uh and i I told the story on discord that i used to tour in a band and those kinds of things some of the guys in the band were were you know good boys who tried not to say bad words and those kinds of things. And one of the other guys and, and I were just didn't care. And um, so one of them would kept, kept saying things like they would say the F word instead of saying fuck. And one day uh, this other guy in the band looks at him and he goes, wait, you mean the fuck word? <laughs> and then from that point on, that's like anytime everyone says, anyone says the F word, I look at them and go, well, you mean the fuck word? I had a moment earlier this week where my 11 year old just turned to me and said, Oh fuck. And I was like, I had this horrible (laughs) issue where it was kind of like, I want so badly to tell you not to say that, but right now I'm laughing so hard. And Uh this is my proudest parenting moment. I don't know. (laughs) Just right there in public. (laughs) Are we all going to take turns in Castle? What's your favorite? What's your favorite curse word? Everyone say it at the same time. Ready? One, two, three. Uh, Sons of bitches. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. This is going to be like the uh, the the break in the middle of the episode right here. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. Soybean, it's your turn. What do you What do you bring in? Hello. All right. So. Um, I want to start off by saying I also tend to not do evil playthroughs, mostly because I do feel it in my soul at midnight and I regret all my decisions ever and I reload a save file. (laughs) (laughs) You wipe away the past. I wipe away the past like it never happened. Um, so for, for instance, in Fallout 3... Butch was my favorite companion and you always had to have neutral karma for him to follow you. But because I always had really good karma, um, Mm. whenever I went to go do the um, DLC missions, it would whisk him away and I would have to go get him back. So I would have to lower my karma to get him because otherwise he's like, oh, 
you're a goody two shoes. And I would sit at the same terminal in Rivet City in the doctor's office and just go in and out, in and out to just quote unquote access the terminal I'm not supposed to, to lower (laughs) my karma enough to get butch back. And I would do that for hours because I didn't want to kill somebody to to lower my karma. That's funny. That's like um, being a kleptomaniac, but only stealing pennies. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I would. That's a good equation. Uh, Like, are you really hurting anybody? (laughs) Yeah. um, So the only thing I could think of that I've done that I guess would warrant an evil or bad decision um was nuka world (laughs) and so nuka world for anyone who hasn't played it because it was a dlc in fallout 4 it was a theme park based around nuka cola and when you enter it's run by a bunch of raiders led by coulter and gage and there are three groups called the operators disciples and the pack each one has their own little theme following it the operators kind of have a mafia aesthetic the disciples are all kind of like bloodthirsty menaces <laughs> and the pack are what i like to call uh, glorified furries and so they follow a very uh, pack mentality they wear animal themed clothing including like goat legs <laughs> yeah. uh, very colorful clothing they were my favorite yeah, this is a good description. <laughs> glorified furries. I like it. Glorified furries. <laughs> um, so when the raiders took over, originally there were a bunch of traders who were there. And they basically took those traders and made them slaves. When you get to Nuka World, you basically take over as the lead raider captain instead of Coulter. And you're given basically the beginning option of do I take out all the raiders and save the traders so that they're not slaves anymore? Or do I go along with the raiders and help them out? And I'm a little bit of a completionist. So my morals went a little on the backside. And I said, I'm going to help the raiders for a little bit. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how far this goes. And so I helped through the raider like quests, um, claiming the different parts of the um, the theme park and dividing up the land. Uh, I ended up not really giving much to the disciples because I don't care much for them because they're <laughs> just about blood and gore and killing. <laughs> right. But um, I felt so bad for doing this. I left Hancock at home. Like, I didn't want him to see me helping the Raiders. <laughs> Hancock, you stay here. <laughs> yeah, you stay here. I have some business to attend to that I don't Why? want you to judge what me the hell for. Am I seeing here? Well, it just, it's just, you just stay here for, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. Don't you getting worry about the, it. Getting in the chat, that woman on fire did the same thing. Yes. Which oh, man. Understandable. Um, so I left him at home and I went and did my dirty. Um, <laughs> So I basically played through to the point where the Raiders were done and they were like, all right, now we're going to move on to the Commonwealth and take over settlements there. And I was like, all right, now, now you're getting too big for your bridges. I got to stop you where you're at. And it was now like, 
I'm friends with these raiders. I've helped them and I'm their leader. And I had to take out the gun and I had to put them down. Oh man. And, and it felt, it felt bad for me. I didn't want to do it because it makes you go through and kill every single raider. Every single one looks at you and you see the betrayal on their face as you kill them. Ending with Gage, your right hand man, trying to kill you because you turned on him when all the time you're taking him through the park. He's talking about how that's the way raiders are. So many people have turned on him and he just kind of wants to be a steady raider? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> and and I betrayed him. And it's it it feels bad. And wow. in the end, it's like I helped these people who were, you know, enslaved, but at what cost? Yeah, um, that's I, I like the turn in that where you're like, okay, this is far enough, but now I'm gonna have to do these other terrible things to make up for it. Exactly. And I think that's probably the most evil thing I've done. <laughs> that's awesome i also like that uh your morality and your completion kind of ran into oh. each other and you were like yeah. okay completion yeah well and, and to be honest that's also what drove me to do it because i wanted the um nuka-cola quantum like xo1 skin uh-huh and to get that you had to finish the area you had to either kill the raiders or bring them into the Commonwealth. Otherwise, I probably would have just left it as was, but I wanted that power armor. And so it made me make the decision. <laughs> wow, that's great. Um, does anyone else want to chime in here? I don't know if Woman on Fire wants to back up her <laughs> her OMG. I did that too, <laughs> Raffle. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is actually what I have yet to fully complete that particular DLC because I... I I get to a point and I'm just, I'm stuck. I cannot make a decision on that. But um, I, I do play it like up to a certain point. But even then when you're getting like the individual quests from the different leaders and they're like, you know, go kill some super mutants here. Go put a collar on this person. I'll only do the ones that I can actually like justify like, oh, okay, well, I can kill super mutants. That's no problem. But I'll be damned if I'm going to go trotting into good neighbor and slap a collar on somebody. It's just not happening. Yeah. If you did that, Hancock would shank you. Yes, he would. I can't. Do, I can't deal with that. <laughs> yeah, he would murder you, like in your not asleep, like in your face. Yeah. That's why he was left at home on both of us. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle the judgment. <laughs> I always left him in charge of the um, the chems, like selling booth. So that he had something to do and the temptation was there. And I think he enjoyed it, but <laughs> I need you here. I need you here. Just I sell the things. Here. Don't do any. Just sell them. <laughs> Feel bad about it. That's funny. Awesome. Anybody else want to chime in? Silence. Silence. Yeah, I, st I also haven't finished the uh, the Nuka-Cola DLC. Uh, I need to go back and wrap that up but i like the uh, the description of the uh, glorified furries pretty good anything else you want to finish this up with soybean um 
Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say uh, similar to Woman on Fire with the individual quests as well. Um, I was very picky about the quests I would do for the different factions. And I will say also that while the pack was my favorite, I hated that they fought animals. They did animal fighting. And I was like, now that's that's just rude. That's just rude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah some people that's like a big thing. And they're like, mm, nope, I'm not going to stand for that. Yeah, I no. Uh, Bean, you talked about, you know, going through the quest and then realizing you kind of have accidentally made friends with these raiders and now you have to kill them all. I feel like part of that might be the way that you viewed the quests. Keeping in mind, this is coming from somebody who hasn't played, but viewing the quests as, can I do this action? Can I do this action? Breaking it down into the individual actions and not quite looking at the overarching ambitions of the various raider packs. You know? Yeah, it's almost I, a commentary on society to a certain extent, like all these little tiny actions that you can tolerate and they turn into this one big, huge mess that was never your intention. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of why I brought it up because I realized in, in hearing that, that that kind of had that corollary. I mean, yeah, you're right. Uh, it definitely was a like part of me going through this and then almost being taken by surprise that they were like, all right, now we're ready to move on to the Commonwealth. And and at that point thinking, oh no, I can't help them do this. Yeah, yeah, what did I get myself into? This is snowballed. Totally. <clears throat> well, interesting, that's, that's a good one. True Dog, did you have something? I was thinking she did the right thing because if you let them just snowball out into the Commonwealth, they start taking over peaceful sediments and then you're really on the dark side at that point. Yeah, totally. It's uh, have you guys. I don't know if you guys have been watching The Witcher, but the whole uh, when I have to choose between the, the lesser evil and the greater evil, then I just don't make a choice. <laughs> that that whole thing. I don't know if that you guys have been watching The Witcher, but um, that's what this kind of stuff makes me think about. I saw the first episode, yeah, and uh, I would say I would have not done the choice if it were not for the new Cola Quantum Power Armor. <laughs> <laughs> my weakness is a beautiful my power weakness. armor oh man oh. i collected power armor in fallout 4 so it was my i'm sure ped would be very proud of you for going after the power armor <laughs> oh true <laughs> if you have any questions about nuka world i'd be delighted to answer them hello there old chap good to see another of general atomic's finest still eager to serve <laughs> Well, awesome. Well, thanks for bringing that one up. That's a fun one. All right. On to Victor. Victor, you said you have a, a kind of a long one for us. What are you what are you digging into this week? Um, or this month, I, I guess. This, this time period. This yeah, period of time. Go ahead. It's whether or not you make the choice to sell Arcade Ganon to Caesar to operate on his brain tumor. Um, mm. This is a little bit more extensive because, first of all, you have to play some really weird logistics to manage to get high enough in the Legion while also still having Arcade as a companion. Like, when you go out to do this quest and you that's kind of the end goal you want for, uh, for helping out Caesar, you have to plan it out well in advance if you've played the game before. It's it's pretty difficult to end up in that situation and just so happen to have Arcade as a companion. 
Right. Now, how do you do that? Like, what's what's the difficulty there for for people who I mean, uh, most people probably didn't help the Legion and I'm sure some people didn't play New Vegas. So what's the what's the situation around this? The situation around this is New Vegas is a game of various shades of gray when we're talking about the factions. The only quote unquote pure good faction is incredibly naive and entirely non-militaristic. And that's the followers of the apocalypse. For the main players, um, House and CR, Brotherhood and Legion, most of them are shades of gray, except in most people's opinion, the Legion. They are like the greatest of all of the possible evils. Um, And pardon me, I'm going to have to change over from my Discord page over to my apps because I took I took lots of screenshots for various notes about this. (laughs) Okay. Um, but essentially, just to give some pe- people some background, Caesar's Legion happened when, let me triple check, but I believe it is, yes, so originally Caesar's name was Edward Sallow, and he was part of the followers of the apocalypse, and he went with a group way out east to basically gather linguistical information, education, uh, because when he was educated by the followers of the apocalypse, that's what he specialized in was linguistics. They met up with Joshua Graham so that they could talk more to the local tribes and get their particular dialects. Eventually, they were all captured by the Blackfoot tribe and all of the tribes were fighting each other. And Edward basically went, mm, I don't want to die. And in their travels, they had uncovered a cache of uh, books about Roman history, particularly. Julius Caesar's crossing the Rubicon and retaking Rome. And so despite basically all of the other people in his group, mostly the followers of the apocalypse, thinking this is a bad idea, he basically trains their captors in the art of Roman war so that they can defeat their enemies and he doesn't die. And because of that education, they eventually make him leader. He takes on the the name of Caesar. And eventually, with his tribe, pardon me, conquers all of the other tribes. I believe it's 86 is the number. And then starts marching west. Um, They hit basically close to Hoover Dam. Uh, Joshua Graham famously led a contingent, lost got covered in pitch, set on fire, and shoved down the Grand Canyon, which ends up becoming yeah. more relevant in uh, Honest Hearts. But right. now, you know, just, just a little bit of a punishment there. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, I mean, at least he wasn't uh, put up like, put up like <laughs> a degenerate on a cross. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's one of the common ones you hear. Um, and now, because of that, that loss, though, now Caesar is camped on Fortification Hill outside of the Strip, basically kind of court, not all the way on the edge of the map, but farther away so that he can watch the Brotherhood and watch the NCR and do, instead of skirmishes, try to plan out a large battle. And due to his, uh, the slavery, misogynistic, um, the peoples he uh, conquered, conquers he completely removes any kind of culture or identity from them 
that's that's the main reasons why. Oh, and also the ridiculous punishments: Joshua Graham, crucifixion. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they've got a couple of other things. That's why most people consider the Legion the biggest evil. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty brutal. I mean, with the NCR, they've got the political infighting and there's corruption, but they aren't actively harming the common man on the streets. Right. So why is it why is it so difficult to keep the companion alive and set this all up? It's not keeping the companion alive. It's keeping the companion liking you, because if there is one thing in this world that Arcade Ganon hates, it's the Legion. Um, in fact, when you first meet him and you first find out that he can speak fluent, fluent Latin, he is very quick to say, and I didn't learn it from the Legion. Mm-hmm. Um, he will not speak to you if you are wearing Legion armor. So you have to play to his... You kind of have to min-max it. You have to do the things that he likes best to counteract the fact that you're helping the Legion. Right, or just leave, leave him at home uh, selling the chems. Well, you go yeah. off and sorry, yeah, call back to Go on. <laughs> no, there's, there's a couple of ways of doing it, and there is a bug where you can. Uh, he basically won't be in your party, but you can still sell him despite not leaving Caesar's tent. The plot in the quest in question, I love the name of it's Et Tumor Brute. brute. Uh-huh. And Caesar admits that yeah, I've got a tumor in my brain, and it's probably going to kill me. And there you go. Your options are. Operate, operate, operate on him and min-max so that you succeed in the operation yourself. Uh, fix the auto-dock, sell arcade to him, or basically either by sabotaging the auto-dock or purposefully messing up the surgery or just not having the check for the surgery, kill Caesar. And the reason I, I wanted to talk about this one is because, first of all, Arcade Ganon is one of my favorite companions. Like him and Hancock are probably my two top favorite companions. But from a lore perspective, Caesar and Arcade are similar in the sense of they are two of the very few people in the wasteland to have what is known as a classical education. They have read the ancient classics. They are fluent in Greek. They're... I don't want to say that people in the wasteland are stupid. They aren't. But this is more of a scholarship kind of mindset. Right. They're uneducated. Right. They're un- and, but Arcade and Caesar are highly educated. Um, to, like I said, beyond a degree of your common wastelander. And that, that whole thing just really interests me a lot of, the, of that. And just going over the endings you can end up getting, basically, if you sell arcade to um, Caesar, you can either have, if arcade is a slave of the Legion and Caesar dies at the end of the game, uh, what's his name? Lanius kills him. Uh, if If you sell arcade into slavery and the Legion dies, uh, Arcade dies as a um, a civ- civilian casualty, essentially. But right. my favorite is if you sell him and the Legion wins. Specifically, sell Arcade into slavery as Caesar's per- personal doctor during Et Tumor Brute. Complete Veni Vici for Caesar's Legion. 
basically leading to a, le- uh, a Legion-controlled strip. The exact ending is, tricked by the courier and imprisoned by the Legion, Arcade remains Caesar's personal physician for several years. Caesar grew fond of speaking with such an educated man on philosophical mad- matters. Arcade became his unwilling intellectual sparring partner. After years of such servitude, uh, during an unguarded moment, Arcade used a surgical scalpel and his bare hands to disembowel himself. Lacking any other skilled medical personnel, the Legion was unable to prevent his death. Caesar mourned his loss for months. And the reason that is so interesting is because... Where is it? Arcade's worst ending directly mimics the suicide of Cato, a writer and opponent of Julius Caesar. It right. mimics the suicide of Cato when Julius Caesar became ruler of ancient Rome. Cato slipped over while attempting to stab himself and was forced to disembowel himself to succeed in what he sought. Caesar was unhappy at his death. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh, that's funny. So that's, that's, that's really interesting. They were very blatant about like the, the Roman... Uh, the allegories to ancient Rome. Um, another interesting bit is because Arcade has so many good one-liners that reference classical literature. One of them is if you speak to him after selling him to Caesar, he says, Victus causa dis placuit sed victa catoni, which is loosely translated as the victorious cause pleased the gods, but the conquered pleased Cato. Um, it's a quote from a poem of, uh, of a man who wrote that poetic classic as with Caesar as the antagonist and Cato as your protagonist. So basically what it's implying is Arcade definitely knows what kind of situation he's just been put in and feels betrayed. I mean, I would. And just overall, you're talking about two men who have an education unlike any scene in the wasteland. And the main reason it happened was because, well, um, Arcade got most of his education either between the Enclave or the Followers of the Apocalypse. And Caesar got his education at the Followers of the Apocalypse. And due to their positions, they were able to have that leisure to become scholarly and be able yeah. to think about things like that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's uh, so as with all of these things, there's so many layers to this, right? There's the writers uh, creating those parallels, historical parallels, the quotes, those kinds of things, and, and weaving those into the storyline. Um, then there's the, the interesting bit about those two characters finding commonality in their education and their backgrounds and finding that, that you know, they're probably some of the only people they can actually talk to about these things. But, but because of ideals, Arcade refuses to. Right, right. There's this like rift between the two of them. But then there, the, there's the other layer of like, you being the character who enables this and knowing some of these things potentially, and then putting poor arcade in that situation where he has to become a slave and has to, you know, like with the very people that he is against and hates and, and all of that. So there's, you know, the dark side of that. So man, uh, yeah. And, and the complexity of having to go through, jump through all these hoops in order to get this to even work in the first place seems, uh, extremely intentional which 
would mean that it would be very, very dark for you as a character to actually want to make that happen. Exactly. It's it's not anything that I personally played through. I haven't had the opportunity to play New Vegas. But when Oxhorn started doing his Legion run, I noticed um, the tumor quest and saw this whole bit about what happens if you sell arcade to him. And it just it caught my imagination. Um, I'll kind of just end it he- here on how arcade feels about Caesar, which is um, if questioned about the Legion's use of Latin, Arcade will respond with, Caesar can cite Cato to search it suits his purposes. This is a paraphrase of the line, the devil can cite scripture for his purposes from the Merchant of Venice by William Shakespeare. <laughs> so not only is he knowledgeable enough uh, of this classics that he can quote it, he can misquote it appropriately. Right. Yeah. Man, there's some smart people writing these games. That's for sure. Yeah, it makes me want to play Outer Worlds because Obsidian has such good writers. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm still I still need to spend time doing that. I've been out of town. I jumped back into it a little for like two hours the other day. And then I've been playing other games, but uh, all right. Well, yeah, very, very cool. Do you guys um, I don't know. I, I doubt any of you guys who played through New Vegas sided with the Legion. Chances are you didn't. Did any of you guys actually tinker with that or was it all just, you know, pro NCR or, you know, anti legion yeah. yeah, I'm guessing not. Uh, True Dog? Yeah, I, for another project, I was looking through the probability for players to get a good or a bad ending. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with the infamous series on PlayStation. Someone with lightning and kind of have a karma yeah. system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the uh, the new one, Second Son, that came out with the PlayStation 4 was the, our successor of the second one. And apparently something like, and I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I safely say like 70 to 80 percent of the people who picked an ending in that picked the good ending. And it actually influenced, if you've ever played the second game, what the world was like when the third game, uh, Second Son, came out. And so it seems just from like a little bit of looking, most people pick the good option. Yeah, I think that is is true. And I've heard some similar stats that for the most part, people will try to do the good thing or at least what they think is the good thing in the situation, whether it plays out that way or not. Um, but uh, I know that and, I, and we've talked about this on previous episodes. Uh, I know that when I was younger and I had more time as a teenager, it was you know, sometimes you would just purposely do the terrible thing in the game because, you know, like uh, Ken from uh, Chad Fallout 76 story will will say, you know, like you'll purposely drive on the wrong side of the road or on the sidewalks in GTA to run over everybody because, you know, you're a bored kid and it's fun to see everybody scream and get splatted by your car, right? But for the most part, when you're actually in these games and really playing them, you tend to make the good choices. I think the the main reason people choose evil endings in games like these, especially these, I don't want to say endlessly expensive, but wildly branching games like Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas and Twitter View Fallout 4, is they'll play through the original time and they'll play good, but then curiosity gets the, gets the better of them. And so they start exploring other routes. Um, yeah. So that, that would be the, the main thing. I would think as most people don't play evil because they want to play evil, they play evil because they want to know what happens, which if you played Undertale is totally an interesting thing to think about. 
I, it's another one of those games I haven't played yet. Shidiot, do you have a, a thought on this? I think it's, it is a matter of like morality. Everybody's going to play the good guy. But also with all the fallouts, they make it almost like, for me, I like to do every mission almost every way possible, get all the guns, complete it all, say I've done it. But fallouts make it almost like impossible to like have a fulfilling storyline as an evil guy. It's like almost like if you were to play evil, like you're screwing over all of your potential quests and like people for like this one goal. So that's kind of one thing that I've always came across myself. Yeah, there's there's less to the story in the evil campaigns, but since most people don't go down those routes, it makes it more interesting to some. And I would agree. I think the closest they've gotten to having a quote unquote evil campaign that feels fulfilling and interesting plot wise, the closest that I've seen for main game stuff is uh, siding with the Institute at the end of four. Because that still gives them a lot of places to explore. Yeah, that and uh, the pit, you know, like we said earlier, is a, is a cool insight to Raiders. One thing, I mean, just on a side note, like the Raiders, like I feel like Nuka Cola was like probably the best in to see what it was like to be a bad guy. And if you pursued taking over the Commonwealth with the Raiders, like you actually got to pursue the life of the bad guy and be that guy and be the overlord. But in Fallout 3, you can't ever set side. I mean, the best you can get is with the slavers. And there's probably like three quests to that. And it's not really fulfilling. But yeah. Yeah, they've kind of been growing their their writing. I think ever since New Vegas kind of showed them to a degree. This is just me speculating that having shades of gray in their factions leads to a more interesting game and leads to more replayability because while the Legion may be the most evil, it's still an interesting thing to try to look through the the battle of Hoover Dam through the Legion's eyes. If you're that kind of player. Yeah. There's so many different ways to play ball at new Vegas as compared to three, three is pretty black and white. I feel, but Vegas was definitely the onset for potential. You can play absolutely however you want and, still have the same filling outcome. Yeah, yeah a, real, a real sandbox experience, for sure. Well, Raider, that was a uh, Raider. Why did I say Raider? Victor. <laughs> it's, we're recording a little bit late. Maybe my brain's uh, <laughs> zoning out. Uh, yeah, a very interesting um, thing to bring up, and, and I wasn't aware that that was a possibility. So very, very cool. Anything you want to end that with? Not in particular, just, you know, it's it caught my interest because my favorite companion, but it's not something I would ever do in a playthrough. And yeah, just overall kind of sorry that all of my topics end up running a little bit long. Oh, no, it's totally fine. Yeah. You know what? One of these days, I, I really hope they get around to actually doing, uh, you know, like refreshes on New Vegas and three, uh, you know, like even just porting them into like the Fallout 4 updated engine. You know, something like that. It would be really, you know, maybe just some texture updates, those kinds of things. I did try to jump into New Vegas um, earlier this year and stream it a bit and play it. But after a few playthrough, you know, through a few nights of playing, it started to crash with all the uh, the mods and things. And I wasn't adding in crazy, crazy mods, just, you know, like updates to the, you know, the textures and making things look a little bit nicer. But it's still such an unstable mess. So it'd be nice to be able to play through those games again in like fallout four level graphics. 
I imagine part of the issue is probably licensing contract stuff with Obsidian. But yeah, no, if they can re- remaster Skyrim, they can remaster Fallout New Vegas. Yeah, that'd be I awesome. Have a, uh, I have, when I bought Fallout 4, it came with an add on for Fallout 3. And I wonder if it actually is remastered or if it's just kind of like a quick little download type of thing. Yeah, I think it's just a an update that allows it to play on a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One, that kind of thing. That'd be my guess. Well, cool. Well, thanks, Victor. All right, Woman on Fire. You're you're bringing bringing in the caboose. Uh, I guess Aperture <laughs> Flash still isn't going to make it today, but um, yeah. So, uh, what's what's your topic this week? Mine's kind of touching on some of the stuff that um, some other folks have touched on too, uh, like betrayal. And uh, I'm another one of the people who just does not have a bad guy in me at all. Um, <laughs> so when I was running Fallout 4, though, I've I've run it through multiple times now, and I wanted to tr- try it with other factions and. Um, so I, the Institute were clearly the bad guys, so I didn't want to run with the Institute just yet. So I decided to go ahead and try the Brotherhood of Steel. And I know that there are a lot of Brotherhood of Steel mega fans, but I'm I'm not. <laughs> and, <laughs> and what really sealed the deal for me was when they sent me to go kill uh, the railroad. And I'm dear friends with the railroad. and I love the railroad. and They're one of my favorite factions. And here I am creeping down these tunnels, horrified. The tunnels he used to call home. <laughs> and <laughs> what's that? The, the tunnels he used to call home. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I was so horrified with myself that I had to pop a stealth boy because I didn't want the pixels to know who betrayed them. And. <laughs> <laughs> And I had to let my companion do most of the dirty work because I was just horrified with the whole thing. And I did finish that run, but uh, the Brotherhood of Steel can never be the good guys to me because of the incident with the railroad and to watch uh, Deacon fall to pieces in front of me. And it was very traumatizing. <laughs> aww, aww. Which, uh, which companion did you make do the dirty work? Oh, who did I have with me? Um, it was probably dance because I didn't. I I don't. I don't want anybody else to see my 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 horrible actions in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I had bring to in, take a really long break. And he's like, "I don't think this is a good idea, sir." <laughs> yeah. He probably wouldn't have cared. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, who else sided with the? Uh, the um uh brotherhood in fallout 4 any of you guys i've done a wall before yeah at all but i usually pick the brotherhood so i sided with them yeah did you have any qualms about squashing <laughs> the railroad i was going along i was like oh no this is getting worse this is getting worse and worse and all right that's what we're doing yeah well, I had... kind of what happened with me it was kind of like i'm on this path and and it's it, it it can't end anymore and oh god forgive me <laughs> yeah i got to i got to that point in fallout 4 in my first playthrough where you really started to have to choose sides and you were at odds with the other factions and i think that was when i first took my like first like break from playing the game because i had played it 
kind of regularly, you know, daily up until that point. And then I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, the one who has trouble choosing the sarcastic option because I, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so this was just so far out of character for me. And since then, I've gone back and done an institute run, too, and managed to get through it again. But it was still that time I like I tried to keep my contact with them as minimal as possible because I knew what I was going to have to do at that point. But it was still a horrible moment. <laughs> Yeah. Did you ever feel bad taking on the Brotherhood or the Institute? Only to the extent that I really felt bad killing uh, Scribe Halen. She was mm. the only one I actually felt bad, felt bad about. <laughs> Everyone else, screw those guys. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 I never had the chance to do a Brotherhood run, but I would, if I were to, I think the only per- people on the Prid when I'd feel bad about blowing up are all of the Squires. That yeah, there, are the kids. there are the kids on the blimp. Yeah, there are kids on the blimp. Yep. Um, the younglings. I was actually kind of. My name game at all now, so I don't know what to do. <laughs> Nothing but Minuteman runs from here on out. <laughs> but that's the that's the one you honed in on with the Brotherhood, because I find. Um, the betrayal of Paladin Dance even more disgusting in an evil move. Not just because they're being awful and, you know, killing people in synths, but they betray their best paladin. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like I I have a huge issue with the hill hypocrisy hypocrisy of Arthur Maxon though. But still just the whole thing with dance obeying Maxon's orders with uh, with regard to dance even if you're doing especially if you're doing a brotherhood run just feels very dirty i couldn't do it it was it was interesting because i remember talking to my son because he's played through a number of different ways too and he always plays kind of an evil run like he he played the institute first and when he um we were talking about how we had both ended that one and he was like what do you mean save him? Why would I save him? I didn't even know you could do that and stuff like that. And I was just like, what is the creature I have raised? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My daughter has a tendency uh, to always be like sneaky and murderous in games. She like (laughs) loves sneaking up on people and murdering them without them knowing it. And so I've very regularly made a point to say things like there's, that's my daughter. There she is. (laughs) It's a proud moment. (laughs) What have you become? (laughs) In your son's defense, saving Paladin Dance is kind of like mm-hmm. trying to get Arcade to be sold to Caesar. You kind of have to know what's coming and wrangle things just the right way to actually save Dance. It's kind of complicated. I was I was able to my first try without it being too much trouble, but I usually put a, like a lot of points in like uh, charisma and, and uh, perception and stuff like that so, and intelligence, so that I my characters are usually pretty smooth talkers. Well, there you go. You're just such a goody, a goody, goody, smooth talker. Yeah, it's it's pretty sad. A goody, goody, too serious. Who's totally in with it for Hancock? Don't feel bad. I'm there too. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, so many people like Hancock because he's got that badass attitude and stuff. If he 
but it's it's interesting because he's a ghoul, right? Like he's physically like, ooh, but personality wise, some people are just like, yeah, it's badass. Um, if he actually looked like a like a regular human, would it would it feel the same way? No, not at all. No, I don't think so either. I think part of it, at least for me, I identify a lot with ghouls, um, especially because a lot of them hate the way they look. And right. then after exactly. the, and then add in the uh, chronic pain. I think I, I read somewhere canonically, it's like every single ghoul you ever see is in chronic pain. It would make sense. I mean, their nerve endings are like exposed. Their bodies are falling apart. Their skin. Exactly. Yeah. And that leads to a lot of, in my opinion, the ghouls having the devil may care attitude. They have very dark gallows humor. They're self-deprecating. They're very sarcastic. And as somebody who struggles with chronic pain, I, I like ghoul characters just because I see a lot more of myself in them than, say, Preston Garvey. Mm-hmm. I, could see, I could see Preston Garvey, though, because he does, he, you know, he's got his own issues and demons to kind of work out. And I think that's one of the things I really like about all of those characters is finding those uh, connections. But I mean, I've, I've obviously talked about it before on the companions thing, but there's a lot about Hancock that I really relate to. And I think that really ex- uh, spreads out to ghouls in general. And I mean, so, overall, I from my perspective, it makes perfect sense. So <laughs> I, I think overall the appeal of Hancock is he is the ultimate chaotic good emphasis on the chaos. <laughs> yeah interesting well great topics that, that this was really really fun um anything else you want to add uh no i'm probably good <laughs> awesome cool well uh thank you everybody uh i hope you guys um join us next month for this as well and if if anybody else is listening who would like to upgrade or to um subscribe uh, patreon.com slash fallout lorecast is the place to do that uh but and i forgot to note this at the beginning we have a fun thing to do to close out the episode we passed the 200 dollar a month goal which means that we've hit that stretch goal which means that i am giving away a swag pack of some shirts and some stickers and stuff like that for the show and i need to pick a winner and I have in front of me right now, and you guys can't see it because we're not on like camera, but I have in front of me a spreadsheet with all of the active patrons and active patrons at uh, tier one, basically get one entry into the drawing, tier two, get two entries, tier four, you guys all get four entries into the drawing. And I went ahead and listed them all, them all out with uh, all the numbers and everything and have drawn a winner. I put them there a total of 71 71 entries and entry number 46 is the one that got pulled through a random number generator. And that one coincides with uh, military fiend 17. And if you're listening, military fiend 17, congratulations, you're going to get some t-shirts and some stickers and things. And uh, thank you for supporting the show. This is, you're actually a tier one patron. So even with only one entry, you, you won the drawing. So congratulations. And uh, let me know. Send me a note uh, on Twitter or on Discord or through Patreon or whatever. Let me know what size t-shirts you want. I'm going to pick some t-shirts and some stickers and send them to you in the mail. So congratulations. That's super awesome. We're going to do this again every time we hit another $100 
uh, stretch goal. So I think we're at like $240 a month right now. So another $60 and we will be at the $300 goal and we are going to pick another winner. And then when we hit $400, we'll pick another winner and so on and so forth. So uh, thank you guys all for your support. And is there anything any of you guys would like to add to the end of the show before we, before we wrap it up? Any last minute nuggets or thoughts? Chidiot? Oh, I didn't even mean to unmute myself. Oh. <laughs> I will say as a first timer on the show, thanks for doing it. I'm glad to be here. I'll say that very much. Yeah. Thank you all for, for the support and for uh, joining and bringing all of these fun topics. And um, tell you what, you know what I want to do uh, this month? One of the things I want to change for future episodes is to decide um, earlier what the topic is going to be for the next month's episode. So we can get kind of get that out there and get everyone thinking about it. Um, and we were talking about a few different options and I want to throw this, I just kind of want to throw this out there so that we have a little quick little five minute discussion about it. Um, one of the topics I had that came to mind for me was if you were to be designing fallout five, where would you set it? Oh, hell yeah. I could totally talk about that. Where, where, like where in the world, what would be going on there and what time period? Cause it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, after fallout four, it could be earlier. It could be after the events of fallout 76. It could be, you know, like really close to when the war ended, you know, those, it could be before the war ended and we actually see some of the things that go on and then continues after the bombs drop, you know, there could be tons of ideas. So what do you guys think about that idea? How do you feel about that? I think that's amazing. Yes. Love it. I'd be down for it, although I'd probably end up bringing the cabots up again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, that'd be great. I'm down, yeah. (laughs) I already know uh, stuff I want to talk about. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Same. Cool, cool. Because who knows when they're going to actually release a Fallout 5. I know it's on the schedule uh, according to... Bethesda, according to Todd Howard, they're doing Starfield and then they're doing the next Elder Scrolls and the chances are they'll do the next Fallout after that. So we're still, we might be a decade off. Who knows, right? Unless they actually put, you know, divided up teams and are already working on it. But it'd be kind of cool to throw some, uh, some cool ideas out there into the world and see if we can't get some predictions going ahead of time. And then who knows, you know, I don't know, five, 10 years from now, we might I'll get back together and be like, oh my God, so-and-so was right. They did this thing. Or maybe they listened to the episode and they gave them an idea and they ran with it. It'd be really cool to find out. So, all right, guys. Well, thank you. Thank you again so much for joining me. And let's just go down the the roster one last time and you guys can let everyone know where to get a hold of you and in case they want to they chat with you somewhere. So, True Dog? Hey, uh, well, before I talk about my plugs, I just want to say thank you to Ped, uh, Ped Ornelas Falls, because I'm the I'm her stand-in, so I really appreciate being. Yes, show. thank you, Ped. Thank you for uh, handing that off again. To hey, Ped. Um, and for me, I have an Instagram. It's Oakenpaw. Uh, with yeah, that's it. Nothing else. Oakenpaw at Gmail. So check me out. I'm on Instagram. All right. All right. Um, and uh, RF Robinson had to go. had had to run. Something came up. Um, but of course. Uh, he's in the Discord, so you're welcome to jump in the Discord and chat with us there. Uh, Shidiot? Yeah, man. Uh, my Instagram is the same. Uh, Shidiot, three Ts. 
three T's. Yeah, three <laughs> T's. T um, it. <laughs> yeah, on Instagram, the two T's was taken, so I had to had to get in where I fit in. But yeah, I'm on Instagram playing Xbox and stuff. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, thanks for joining us, uh, Soybean. I am at Soybean the Wolf pretty much everywhere. Uh, I threw in a furry reference earlier. Uh, I have a lot of furry social media, so be be prepared for that. Most of it's safe for work. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, Victor. Um. Yeah, I'm primarily on the Discord. Uh, Victor spelled with a K. Um. Feel free to just hit me up and start talking about Fallout or Bioshock or video games and history in general. Yeah, you've got a lot of things to add into all that stuff. Uh, chime in on the Discord all the time with some really fun nuggets. Um, and then we've got Woman on Fire. I'm popping in out on the Discord, and you can also find me on Twitter at FireWriter with a Y, F Y R E, writer, like one who writes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there'll be uh, fanfic and drawings and cosplay and just general observations on life <laughs> yeah you're, you're big in the fanfic in fact i think maybe since the last episode we added the fanfic uh channel on our discord yeah yeah so if you're into fanfic stuff and you absolutely want to get a woman on fire's attention just post in there she'll be all over it so we <laughs> talk to you about it <laughs> awesome awesome well thank you again everybody for joining me uh you guys at the end of the show and in the show notes and until next week um I don't know. Do your best with making decisions and I hope you guys sleep well tonight. (laughs) So thanks again, everyone. I'll talk to you guys next week when we get back to one of our regular episodes. See you guys later. Thanks for listening to the fallout Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda softworks and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter at falloutlorecast. And if you'd like to support the show, tell a friend or check out the rewards you can get for becoming a patron at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon.